Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you. I've got a couple of exciting things I want to share with you. First of all, this Sunday morning marks the 14th anniversary of Brazos Fellowship. This church you're sitting in right now. Yes, give the Lord a hand. There were a lot of Sundays where I weren't sure we were going to keep making it, but I'm so thankful. So 14 years ago, it took hours and hours and hours on a Saturday to set everything up over on the middle school on Rock Prairie Road, College Station Middle School, and the cafetorium. That's where we had our first public service. The kids met over in the gymnasium across the hallway, and uh, it was an, a lot of work, and it, we, we did that for a couple of years before this location opened up and the first part of it. And as many of you know, this was a bar. This was a club before we got it, right up to the moment we got it. So it had to be gutted and changed dramatically. And so this whole journey of what God's done with Brazos Fellowship has been absolutely a series of miracles. But one of the biggest and coolest miracles is since we've started, we've seen over 5,000 people become followers of Jesus Christ, become Christians uh, through this ministry. We're so thankful to God for that. What a privilege to be able to guide people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Uh, Every single Sunday, we get to see that happen. So thank you for being a part of that. Those of you who serve and are part of that every single Sunday, we celebrate you this morning too. Um, And as Sean mentioned earlier, next Sunday, as a part of that guiding people into a growing relationship with Jesus, we're going to have an opportunity for people to go public with their faith in baptism. If you have become a follower of Jesus, you've asked Christ into your heart, he's become the forgiver of your sin, the Lord of your life, and you've never gone public, really it's a first step of obedience of following Jesus as Jesus laid it out for us in the Great Commission He says uh, to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And people are going to be baptized next Sunday in all three services. If you would like to be a part of that, we would love for you to join us. You could go on our website, brazosfellowship.com, and register there. You can grab the Connect cart and the seat back in front of you and fill it out. Put it in the uh, Connect uh, bucket or in someone in guest services or the guest welcome center, rather, on your way out. We would love to help you to be able to make that a part of your next step in your spiritual journey next Sunday. So please don't miss out on that. Now, last Sunday, we started a new series entitled The Great Date Your Mate Experiment. And hopefully, many of you took the dates and you went on them and had a lot of fun. And we're going to have another one for you. And as you leave today, there'll be a date number two. And we're going to do that all four weeks of this series. So I hope you'll be back to get all four of the dates And this week, we're going to continue as we're talking about what does it take to make healthy, long-lasting, loving relationships. Now, this week, we're going to talk about how opposites attract. And it's true that all of you who have been together for multiple years, who've been married for multiple years, if you think back on when you first were introduced to each other, it was the things that were different about you that drew you together, not the things that were just exactly like you, okay? Most of the time, it's the intriguing, different stuff that's kind of mysterious and kind of interesting that kind of draw us together. And it's funny how these things are really cute and interesting when you first meet, but can become kind of irritating later after a few years go by. 
I've seen it happen over and over. Ladies, maybe this happened to you when you first met him. You told your friends, maybe even your family, oh my gosh, he's so cute, he's so funny, he makes me laugh all the time. And then later you find yourself saying to him, could you please grow up and be serious, okay? Um, Or maybe, guys, you told your friends, like, she is so fun, she's such a free spirit. And later you're like, do we have to be late to everything, okay? Um, I've heard this over and over, and, uh, or maybe it's the opposite, where you say, wow, they're so driven, they're so focused, they're so organized, and then later you find yourself saying, can we have even just a little bit of fun, a little spontaneity in this relationship, please, does everything have to be planned out to the T? Um, but be that as it may, the things that were different drew us together. And it's funny how God uses opposites to attract us together. Very often we find people who are introvert and extrovert come together. The spender and the saver. Um, the, The early bird and the night owl. The adventurous with the cautious. People who wrap the toilet paper over the front of the roll. And then those who do it properly. Am I right? It's a bag. That's the way it's supposed to be done. Anyway. But we all have, wow, that really sparked some conversation. Anyway, (laughs) we have all got a different opinion and approach to that, and we feel pretty strongly about these kinds of things. But it's funny how these differences, though they're really powerful and wonderful in the way that they draw us together, also can cause some issues at times. And let me talk about one of them. Um, One of those issues, and before I I dive further into this, let me just say, if you are single today, and I know we have a lot of single people in the room, I want to just say to you, just in case you're not married yet, it's okay. I statistically came across it this week that if you are single today, there's a 74% chance that you won't be single someday, okay? And, and, And... And in 75% chance in the next two years, you're going to get married. 94% chance that you won't be, you're going to be married someday. So you need to take good notes. This applies to you, okay? And so today, as we talk about these differences, regardless of who you are, these differences can be really positive and they can also cause issues. Here's what I'm talking about. That our differences can cause us to have a double standard in the way that we judge our spouse as opposed to the way we judge ourselves. And here's what I mean by that. We tend to judge our spouse by their actions, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. We judge our spouse by their actions. We say, why is he doing that? Why is she doing it? We talked about this. They promised. I thought they understood. Why are they doing it? Why doesn't she do this? You know, a wife is supposed to do that. A husband is supposed to do that. Why are they not doing that? We get upset and we judge them by their actions. But when we come to ourselves, I mean, it's just so true. I I can speak for myself on this one. We give ourselves so much more grace and mercy and forgiveness. We, We go, oh my goodness, you know, I'm trying to be a good husband. You're trying to be a good wife. You know, I don't get it right all the time. I'm not perfect. I mean, every once in a while I get real close, but I'm not perfect. And we give ourselves lots of grace and lots of latitude, but we tend to judge our spouse by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. How do we begin to bridge that gap? Because a lot of conflict within marriage happens because of this. I see this, but I feel, and, and my intentions were this. We don't have the benefit always of knowing that our spouse's intentions, but we know ours and we always give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. We don't always give that benefit of the doubt to our spouse. So how do we begin to 
close that gap and to bridge that gap. I want to give you a couple of very practical things that may not sound like they're all that powerful or that life-changing, but if you begin to implement them, I think you will find that they are incredibly effective in changing your relationship and changing your life. And really, these can be applied to any relationship, but specifically, we're going to talk about marriage today. Here's the first one. If you see something good, say it. If you see something good, say it. It is just a sociological fact. You and I are drawn to people who encourage us verbally. Like if somebody tells you, hey, let me tell you the three things that you did awesome today. If they come up to you at work and tell you that, you're going to want to talk to that person every day. Tell me the three things I did awesome today, right? Tell me, I want to, I want, I'd love to have an attaboy, girl. I'd love to have that encouragement. Everybody wants that. And we crave it every, we wake up every day, get out of bed, and we want it again. Like we, we have a reset button every day, we want it. And it's interesting that the writer of Hebrews chapter 13, uh, pardon me, chapter 3 verse 13 says this. He says, but encourage one another, let's say it together, daily as long as it's called today. It's so important that we are speaking these words, good things, if you see something good, Say it. So what does that look like for both husbands and for wives? Guys, I'm going to start with you. Husbands in the room. What do you need to be saying to your wives? Here's what you need to be saying. You need to be saying words of love. She craves words of love. Here's what I love about you. Here's what makes me or reminds me of how much I love you, how much I appreciate. And really, if you want to take it another level, like to get a little bit extra mileage out of this, you can say, here's what I adore about you. Here's what I love and adore about you is how hard you work. You're such a hard worker. In your job, you work hard. I, I love how hard you work and the things that you do for our family here at home, how you pour into our kids. You're not just a caregiver. You are pouring wisdom and life into these kids. It is awesome to have a wife like you. Look what you do every day. And look at the, the way that you live. You have such consistency in your life. I love that. Point it out when you see it. When you see something good, say it. I see you taking time to be alone with God, to grow and to nurture yourself spiritually, to be in God's word. I see you taking time to have a quiet time, to have devotion time alone with God. That is awesome. When you do that, that sharpens you spiritually. It makes you a better wife, a better, uh, a better mother, a better person, a better employee, employer. You're, thank you for taking the time to do that. Guys, when you say that, I love you, and here is what I'm talking about when I say that. It is so powerful what it can do for her. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul takes this ethic of Jesus that we talked about last week over in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, where Jesus says, I command you to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. You remember last week we talked about that. The Apostle Paul essentially takes this rule, this law, this, this command of Jesus, and he says, let me show you what that looks like in the context of marriage. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 33, this letter to the church at Ephesus, he writes to specifically husbands, and here's what he says about husbands and their wives. He says, and guys, if you would, say it with a, a really nice, deep voice, okay, the highlighted words, husbands... Oh, wow, that was good, wasn't it? Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Again, 
the first question you're going to have after you see a phrase like love your wives, it's like, how? How are we supposed to do that? Here's your model. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he was willing to put the needs of the church, you and I, his people, above himself. He was willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good of his people. And he says, this is how I want you to love your wives. That's a big, that's a, that's a high bar, right? Each one of you must uh, also must, let's say it together, also must love his wife as he loves himself. To love her as you love yourself. And what are the, one of the things that you love? You love getting attaboys. You love getting encouragement. I'm sure you enjoy that. Reciprocate that to her. Show her that kind of love. The, the things you love to have done for you, do it for her. But do it in a way that is a blessing to her. So powerful to begin to show that love. You see something good, you say it. Ladies, here's how you can begin to do that for your husband. It's literally it's speaking words of respect. He craves words of respect and admiration. There's not a man alive that does not want to hear or to know that the woman in his life, the people, the most important, closest people to him, respect him and, and admire something about him is admirable. Something about him that after this life is over with, that he did something that lasted, that mattered, that made a difference. He wants to know that. He needs to hear that. It, it, to give him statements like, I respect so much how hard you work for our family. I respect so much that you're a man of integrity, that you act the same way at work as you do at home, at church, out with your buddies. You use the same language. You use the same behavior. You're not a chameleon. You don't just like change according to your environment and change to try to appease the people you're around. You're a man of integrity. That's what integrity means. It's from the root integer. It means one, that you're the same guy all the way around. And guys, you got to give her reason. You got to give her some um, material to work from here on respecting you too. You got to be a man of integrity. I respect so much. Ladies, you tell him, when you take time to be alone with your God and you grow in that relationship as a child of God and you're seeking him and you're letting the wisdom of God be a part of your life, even if it's just for a few minutes and you're getting on the YouVersion app or whatever and you're doing a devotional, you're spending time with God, you're speaking to God, you're taking time, this makes you a better husband, a better dad, it makes you a better leader, it makes you better at everything, leading our family, it makes you better. I respect that so much. When you take the time to do this, ladies, are you doing that? To take the time to show him and to express to him what you see in him. When you see something good, say it. This is why the Apostle Paul, when he comes to the wives in verse 33 of Ephesians 5, this is what he says. And ladies, if you would say the highlighted words with me. And the wife must... Oh, that's a beautiful voice right there. Respect her husband to show respect. To, to show respect. Now, this is the things that we know, I mean, even sociologically, that both of us crave. Women crave the love, the, uh, the, the, admin, um, the love from her husband, and the, and the, and the, uh, pardon me, the husband is, love, is craving the respect and the admiration of his wife. And what's so powerful about that is that our words that we speak to each other literally shape the other person. 
It's so true. The people who are closest to us, who know us best, have the most influence over our lives. And when you begin to speak words of respect and begin to speak words of love to the other person, it's amazing how it will begin to cause that person to flourish. It's like putting miracle grow on the part of their life that you love most, that you are most admirable of, and it will begin to flourish it. It will begin to promote more of that. It's incredible. When you see something good, say it. Here's why. Your spouse will tend to reflect what you believe about and say to them. They just will. That even if you don't believe the scripture I just read to you, there's so many studies that have been done that talk about the fact that when you speak those words, it shapes and changes the person that you speak to. And it just makes sense, even from a theological standpoint, that God says that he has made us, his people, in his image. And how did God create everything there is in the universe? In Genesis, it tells us that he spoke it all into being. It was his words. When he spoke, it created this universe around us. That God created our world with his words, and there's a sense in which God allows each of us to create our little worlds with our words. We teach people how to treat us, how to behave around us, simply by the words that we use with them. So powerful. And so today, not just... When you see something good, say it. When you think something good, do it. Here's the other one. To begin to close that gap. When you think of something good, do it for the other person. If you want a healthy marriage, you want one to last, it really comes down to a simple math equation. And let me give it to you. Four is always greater than two. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? All right? Four is greater than two. I want us to say this together. Ready? One, two, three. Four is greater than two. Here's what I mean by that. Are you doing things for your spouse or to your spouse? Let me explain what I mean. If you're doing things to your spouse, you're really not taking into regard what they want, what they prefer. You're doing things, but you're doing them really according to what you want and what you prefer. Way back when Leslie and I first got married, um, I realized after even just a couple of months uh, of us being married and living together that all these years, I was 25 at the time, but I realized for a quarter of a century I had been folding towels incorrectly, okay? <laughs> it, was, it was a huge light, light came on. I'd always just fold it in half, turn it, fold it in half again, you know, like that, that's how you fold a towel. But Leslie taught me that later, she said, no, I, what I'd really like you to do, once you go over half, I want you to do it like this, right? I want you to do the, the double fold like that. And I heard her, but I didn't change my behavior. I kept, okay, that sounds good for you, okay? I'm going to keep doing it like this. This is the way I've learned. I've, I've been trained all my life. I just fold towels and we put them away. And then later she told me, she said, look, I notice you really haven't changed the way you're folding towels, but if you look in the cabinet in the bathroom, it's super tiny. And like a lot of you, when we first got married, we had a really, really tiny place. And there was only enough room for, like, if you fold the towels just right, you can get a washcloth right next to it. And she said, I want you to fold the towels like this because it just makes me much happier when they, everything fits in there, okay? And so I started, because I understood her preference, 
I started folding towels like this, and I learned a brand new way of folding towels, not because I felt like it was necessarily superior. I felt like it, it helped to meet a preference or a desire that she had. And that was more important than me continuing to fold the way I had always folded. Because what I was doing is, yeah, hey, I did the laundry uh, uh, for you, but really what I did is I did the laundry for me. I did it according to the way I went. So I really did it to her, not really for her. Guys, it'd be kind of like you're saying, hey, I'm going to take you out to dinner. You love Tex-Mex. She loves sushi. And you're going, I'm going to take you to Chewy's. You're welcome. <laughs> right? You really did that for you, not for her, which means you did it to her. It wasn't her preference. It was your preference. And sometimes we do these things and we say, I do so much for you. But really, you're doing so much for you, right? And it's so important to be reminded when we do things for the other person, we're doing it according to their preference, what they would want. That's for, not to. It's listening. How would you like this done? Like if, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to help get the kids, or we're, we're getting the kids ready together, if I'm, I'm helping, you know, if we're, we're working on the house together, we're doing whatever, I want to do this according to how you would like it done. I'm going to listen and listen, and, and I want this to be a blessing to you. I, I want, even if the way you want it done is absolutely the opposite of the way I would want it done, it doesn't matter. Because you're doing it for her, not for you. If you do it for you, it's doing it to her. So you always got to remember four is greater than two. And again, the Apostle Paul talks about not just marriage, but every single relationship. This applies to your roommate relationship. This applies to your coworkers that you work around, people who live next door, the people who live next door to you in your apartment complex. It applies to any and all human relationships. But in the Philippians chapter 2, his letter to the uh, church at Philippi, here's what the Apostle Paul says, starting with verse 3. He says, do nothing out of, let's say it together, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Yeah, to consider others better than yourselves. This is one of those places where the teaching of Jesus, as it is lived out in our world today, and as it's taught in the New Testament, is absolutely cutting across the grain of the culture that we live in. Because the culture that you and I live in would tell you, don't you ever consider anybody better than you. Because you're the rock star, you're the point of your life, and you ought to live for you, and you make you happy, and it's all about you, and it's you time, and it's you, 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 you right? And Jesus said, I'm going to teach you something that's just exactly the opposite. As a matter of fact, in scripture, we're taught that there's this part of us, this sinful part of us called our flesh that wants to live for us, wants to make it all about us all the time. But here's what we find. If you begin to live like that and you make it all about you, you make your marriage all about you, you make your life and your spending and your time and everything all about you, things that are the most important in life, like joy and satisfaction and purpose and meaning become impossible to ever grasp. They disappear onto the horizon and you never get them. 
And Jesus says, that is not the way you were created to live. Not for you. You're not the point of your life. As a matter of fact, Jesus would go so far as to say, the only way for you to truly find life is to give your life away. That's how you find life. And there is no other way than that. And he says, listen, I want you to have the best life and the best relationship possible. But that's just not possible if you're not willing to trust me. And what's interesting here is that Jesus shows us that when we begin to follow his lead, it really is a completely different mindset. In chapter 2, verse 5 of Philippians, he says this. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same, let's say it together, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset to think like, to approach the relationship like Jesus. Now, the question is, what was the mindset of Jesus? He goes on to explain it further. I'm going to kind of sum it up for you here in Philippians 2. He says that he was in the very nature, in his very nature, Jesus was God. He was the same nature, the same stuff as God, but that he did not consider, there's that word again, he did not consider him being God as something that he would use for his own advantage. In other words, there was never a room that Jesus walked into that he didn't outrank everybody in the room. And if he wanted to, he could say, move, I want to sit there, I'm Jesus, all right? I'm hungry, somebody get me something to eat. I'm thirsty, get me something to drink. I'm in charge, I'm large, I'm the one that you need to be listening to. He never treated people like that, ever. And he says, do you see how I always put people before myself? That's the way I want you to treat every relationship, not just your marriage. But if you do it in your marriage, you get to stay in love. That's how you overcome the gap. That's how you stay in love. That's how you get to stay together and still enjoy each other years and years and years later. That's how it happens. It's by humbling yourself. It is by considering the other person better than yourself. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are better. You're just considering them better. You're putting them over yourself. And in verse 8, this is exactly what Jesus did for us. In verse 8, we're told that he, he being Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. There is no greater sacrificial humbling that a person can do than to say, I'm going to lay my life down for you. And why did he do that? He did it for us, not to us. He did it for our forgiveness, for our salvation. He did it because he loves us. And he wanted the best for us. And this is why he did it. And he says, and this is your model. This is how you're to love each other. This is how you stay in love. This is the model that when the world sees it, they go, oh, wow, that looks like Jesus. That's what he must have been, meant when he talked about uh, two people committed, a husband loving the wife like Christ loved the church, and a wife who loves her husband, respects him, and that they're both mutually committed. Mutual submission is being exercised in that marriage. And this principle of mutual submission is the single greatest relational principle on planet earth. There is nothing more powerful than this. So if you get nothing else today, make sure you understand this because this is what Jesus, Paul reiterated it over and over, taught all the time. 
And mutual submission simply is this. It's a relationship where two people, really any two people, put, their, put the other person first. Now think about this for just a second. If you were in a relationship where two people were doing things for each other, not to each other, imagine for just a moment that you're in a relationship where someone who is absolutely committed to putting you first and you are committed to putting them first. And this doesn't, you don't have to wait till you're married. You can do this in any relationship. As a matter of fact, Jesus commands it to do this in every relationship. You're in a relationship where they're putting you first and you're putting them first. That is like the most fun, exciting, loving, most incredible environment to possibly have in terms of a human relationship. There is nothing that outranks that. There is nothing greater than that. And that is a picture of what Jesus has done for us. And if you want to stay in love, and if you want to stay together, you love each other like that. That's how it's done. When you see something good, you say it. When you, when you think something good, you do it. And you love that other person actively, daily, over and over. And, and maybe it's time today that we begin to think about, how am I going to live this out daily? Because if I were to ask many of you guys in the room, hey, do you love your wife? You would say, absolutely. i take a bullet for her. But would you take the trash for her? That's really the question. Right? Because what makes great marriages isn't the big grand gestures, it's the common, everyday, simple ones. That's what makes extraordinary, awesome marriages where people get to stay in love year after year after year after year. So, what's it gonna be? Husbands, think about it for just a minute. How can you begin to express and to show that kind of love on a daily basis? To begin to say, hey, I want to be uh, exactly what you need, what you want, what you desire. At home, I want, I, I want to pick up slack. I want, to, I want to do my part. I want to do my part with the kids. I want to, what can I do to help surprise her? I'm going to take care of dinner tonight. And maybe your recipe for dinner is everybody get in the car. We select a restaurant. We select something off the menu. Boom. That's my recipe. <laughs> that was my dad's. That, and I love that. It's my favorite recipe. Anyway, um, you take care of it. You just alleviate that off of her. Ladies, maybe it means for you to, to find something fun to do with your, like something he would consider fun that you get to do together, to, to an activity to do together. Or maybe you decide intimacy is going to be your idea. I'm just saying, if you want to make his day, that would be a way to do that. But it's putting the other person first. We're going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks. But anyway, it is something else entirely than what do I want? What am I getting out of this and making it all about me? It's putting the other person first. And nothing in culture is going to teach you to do this. Everything is going to tell you the diametrically opposite approach. And maybe it's in time, high time, that you have a conversation today to say, am I doing this to you or for you? Is there a place in my life where I have stopped doing things for you and started just doing things to you? You feel like you're preference is not even considered anymore. And sometimes that happens over time. But it is high time that we begin to give our life away. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 10, 39. He said this, 
He said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And that applies in every area. Your marriage, your, your finances, your career, with every relationship. Putting Jesus first, which means putting the other person first. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if you want to show me love, show them love. This is how you show me love. You love them. You care for them. You put them. You elevate them. That's how you do it. You put other people before yourself. Here's the commitment prayer I'm asking you to pray with me today. It's simply saying, and this is the application of our, our message this morning, Jesus, help me to intentionally do things for my spouse, not to them. Help me to love them with the same selfless mindset that you show me, that he does every single day. I release my life to you today. Today, I'd like to ask you, that, especially those of you who are married, but every person here to say, God, help us right now. We want to commit to you. And we're going to put you first. And we're going to consider other people as better than ourselves, just as Jesus did for us. And starting today, beginning to say, when I see something good, I'm going to say it. And when I think something good, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to begin to live this out like never before. Let's go before the Lord right now. And I pray, God, right now, all across this room, for every person here, that you would convict our hearts where we've been making it all about us. Maybe we haven't even realized we're doing it, but we are doing it. We really don't consider other people's preferences, what they would like. We make it about us over and over again. And I pray, God, that all across this room, that this would be a wind of change would begin to sweep through here, God. A new chapter for many of the marriages that are present today to say, God, help us to begin to reignite that flame of love and romance, that fire that drew us together way back when, when we used to say those kinds of things to each other, when we used to do those kinds of things for each other. And all that can begin again starting today. And right now, all across this room, if you would be willing to commit to say, yes, Lord, today, I'm going to begin to consider this other person, my spouse in particular, or maybe there's someone else in your life you need to begin to consider as better than yourselves, as Jesus did. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.